Episode 3 is sponsored by Cardiac Insurance Services, working hard to prevent you from making a claim during your most desperate hour of need. Monson Jackson, Series 2, Episode 3, Underpin. Monsoon had dreams of being deep within Pluto, with the hardest of inmates wanting to take him down. But against the odds, he remained alive, even though the allegedly safer top tiers of the prison, where he currently resided, had inmates with an enthusiastic opinion on law enforcement personnel. This opinion was normally demonstrated via homemade sharpened tools, but could equally be hands-on in the areas of the cleaning zone the cameras could not clearly see. Several had given it a go, wanting a scalp to buy them credibility. But Monsoon had a repertoire of dirty tricks to fend most of them off. On one occasion, Monsoon had found a fellow inmate's ear caught on a damaged part of his augmented arm. It, somewhat inconveniently, fell to the floor just as the security guards had finally arisen from their comfy seats and wandered slowly over, hoping that everyone would be exhausted and easy to hit. Everyone watched as if in slow motion, the ear squelched to the floor. The screaming inmate was a mere secondary concern. Such events always made it more complicated when Monsoon was explaining how he hadn't started it. Worse, the guards didn't like law enforcement personnel either. Probably because said personnel were known for commenting that security guards needed to go and get a proper job. Over the months Monsoon had been imprisoned, his muscle mass and overall fitness had improved immeasurably. This wasn't, though, due to the prison's concern over his well-being or the food served there, which was, on the whole, inedible. All augmentations were suppressed upon arrival at the prison. This made his legs and arm dead weights. He'd fallen to the ground when entering the brightly painted welcome zone. The dampening field felt like every weight in the gym being piled on top of him. This was one of the guard's favorite moments of the day, only surpassed by checking on the female shower zone, just in case there might be any trouble. Monsoon, with a great deal of effort, stood back up. He felt like a baby standing for the first time. The effort of staying up was making him sweat, but he was damned if he would give them the satisfaction of falling over twice. He fell over again and cursed. Monsoon was soon to discover that out here, in the backwaters, augmentations were heavily subject to discrimination. And being gay and augmented was frankly winning all kinds of fascist bingo points. Then there was the holy trinity of not being white. He was like a poster boy for the Troglodytes Clubhouse dartboard. But Monsoon stood his ground and more often than not, successfully fought off his far-right fan base. His longest stay in the recovery zone was following a nearly successful attempt to remove his robotic arm. The pain had caused him to black out, and it was only by chance security had, this time, decided to investigate the screaming. It would be a long time before Monsoon was able to sleep deeply again.
Pluto was the prison planet. Being named after a classical god of the underworld was just easy work for the ever-lazy, overpaid PR people. Its moons, Charon, Styx, Nyx, Kerberos and Hydra, were inhabited but only by the poorest and therefore, by definition, those it was not worth caring about. Or at least that's how most people felt. Pluto was ideal as a prison in structure, having been forged from millions of comets slammed together. This had created layers and catacombs ideal for segregating the inmates. The worse the crime, the deeper inside you went. Escape from the maze was considered impossible and even if you did, there was only the outside to head for. Pluto's temperature was beyond frozen, so for obvious reasons the prison was underground. No one fancied chiseling bodies off the surface, although a few inmates had tried to make a go of it. They'd escaped upon arrival, fleeing the spaceport. Naturally, the security guards didn't bother to stop them. They just watched them run through the one-way escape doors and then panic as they began to freeze. Their deaths took less than a minute, and the video footage was included in future Welcome Zone induction sessions. Watching someone die like that was, after all, convincing and cheap behavioural conditioning. Of course, they still made the newbie security guards go outside and chisel any escapees free from the door handles. The suit they wore would last for at least 15 minutes before they joined them. They also believed their superiors when told they wouldn't have to guard the lower levels on their first day. Six days later, the newbie joined the thawed jelly mounds in the morgue. His decision to help someone had been his last. The inmates on the lower floors had their own rules and were left to get on with it. Once in a while, the security guards would flood those chambers with carbon monoxide to thin the herd, to remind them who was in charge. But they weren't stupid and would never patrol alone, and even then only at the perimeters. It was just better for everyone that way. Monsoon dragged his legs over the side of the hard metal bed and slowly sat up with his back screaming in agony. He grabbed for his towel. In a prison where so many considered personal hygiene a breach of their human rights, you always needed to know where your towel was. Every night he replayed the final scenes before his arrest. The pain from his poorly fitted digital eye a reminder of events. And he always awoke with questions. The same questions over and over. How had Elijah known where he was? Why hadn't Elijah known who was behind the mask? He must have known he was in Tor's towers, that it would be his mother. And then always the darker questions. Had Monsoon been played? Was Elijah more Lisa than he'd realized? That was stupid. It would have been a ridiculous long game. He couldn't have known Monsoon's obsession with Lisa, and yet, here he was, locked away for years and, let's be honest, unlikely to survive. Someone would eventually get to him. Ironically, he was primarily imprisoned for the murder he hadn't actually committed, but it was difficult to explain this to the solar force while slipping into unconsciousness with the side of your face burned away. Anyway, what did that matter now? Everyone in here was innocent. If he said anything, it would just be more noise. But what about Elijah? What if it was true? That meant Elijah knew more of his secrets than he cared to consider. 
It must have been Elijah who'd been following him, who knew of at least some of his secret storerooms. And if true, all the time Monsoon was trapped in here, Elijah would be building the Tor's empire in his vision. A vision that would have a very clear view on Monsoon. From what he still trusted of knowing Elijah, he would wait until Monsoon's release, if he lived that long. What Elijah had in mind was very much, in every sense of the word, personal. Attempts on his life aside, prison was remarkably dull. Routine was everything because the guards weren't paid enough to use imagination. Up, exercise, wash, eat, socialize if you wanted to risk that, exercise, wash, eat, sleep. It was a monochrome existence designed to kill the soul of the inmates, make them compliant, reliant on the rules. Despite ongoing evidence to the contrary, councils still believed that was the right approach. It was, after all, so much easier to manage criminal intent when they worked for you, with the added bonus that legal crime was far more lucrative. Avoiding tax, storing your money in banks with an absence of conscience, walking past a homeless person and being disgusted that they're ruining your visit to another corporate, bland, overpriced coffee house, hating anyone not white because you're just better being outraged that a religion or God you don't believe is even allowed to be discussed by the scum circling you. How dare these people? And worse, so much worse, these people are also allowed to use your coffee house. It was an utter disgrace, and the revolution was overdue. Except, when the revolution came, you wouldn't be the one fighting. They would to rid the world of parasites like yourself, which deep down you knew. It was why, in truth, you hated yourself. But for now, the indignity held. People continued to conflate wealth with intelligence, despite an endless line of rich idiots. And they didn't even have to go to jail for their crimes. Because money bought counselors, bought favor, bought justice. Grudgingly, Monsoon had to accept, though, that part of this had worked in his favor, when recognition of his duty in the solar force had kept him from the lower floors of the prison. That would have been a death sentence, as deep inside Pluto was not for the soft. Monsoon's cellmates awoke. They shared a brief smile before standing up and moving to the gate, awaiting the morning buzzer. They were that conditioned. Mott looked over at Monsoon, and despite Nat tugging at his arm to keep quiet, he decided to try striking up another exciting, monotone conversation. So another day, staying alive. Monsoon smiled slightly but said nothing. It's just that... Nat pulled on his arm again, urging Mott to stop talking. Mott looked back at Nat with the universal eye movement that meant, Will you ask him then? Nat shuffled around. It's just that, well, there's a lot of people trying to kill you. Mott interrupted enthusiastically. Not us. We just like to talk, to put the world to rights. And lambast people who are idiots. It's not just about the darkness. And that. But, well, we don't think you killed Lisa Tors. 
Monsoon tensed, and his face tightened to angry. Mort and Nat could feel the temperature drop in the room. Why? We've heard things. People talking. Sometimes talking with us. They say... Mort and Nat laughed nervously, unsure if they wanted to say the next thing in their heads. Go on. They say it was your partner. He killed his own mother. But he was rescuing you. You'd been shot, hence the... Mott pointed awkwardly to his eye. That's just what we've heard. Far as we know, you're one of the good guys. We're sure you'll get out of here sooner than you think. Monsoon smiled again and quoted from a film he was moving closer towards with every event in his life. I'd buy that for a dollar. A dollar is more than we deserve. It was time for Monsoon to use his small reserves of social skill, to give them something positive and, in turn, to hopefully ensure he could go back to being ignored for the rest of the day and then the long, dark time of his soul. Give yourselves more credit. Caring about doing the right thing, challenging the cruel and selfish, is a dying art. You might be scared, you might worry about consequence, but better you live a day worthy than a lifetime worthless. Mott and Nat looked at each other. They were about to respond when the door buzzer went. Then the frenzied rush for the eating zone took over. Everyone wanted the good food, the few rare pieces that, by complete accident, had been cooked correctly in accordance with the instructions. The bulk of the food was both mushy and burned, which, while being some kind of achievement, was not something you could ever enjoy swallowing. Mott and Nat smiled at Monsoon before they darted out of the cell. Monsoon sat a while before leaving. For obvious reasons, he was not at all keen on rushing or crowds. A lot of things could be hidden in those moments. Quite often, sharp, pointy things. By the time Monsoon arrived at the eating zone, the remnants of food were slopped around the sides of the serving trays and, of course, on the floor. As either option was still considered within the rules of offering sustenance, there was no point in saying anything to the guards. Monsoon scraped some of the grey-green lumps onto a plate, picked up a thin plastic spork, and went to sit down on the edges of the room, with his back to the wall. While the eating schedule was still controlled by prisoner level and zone, it was not unknown for feuds to be settled at this time. A request from the lower zones to take someone out for either reward or a threat of violence could be readily achieved. The room was a large open space, and while the furniture had been welded to the floor after the 23rd food hall riot, there was still plenty of scope to do harm. An Andarkin came and sat down next to Monsoon. The Andarkins were one of the alien races that merged into humanity years ago. They had a huge number of tentacles and a large torso, but due to humanity's preferred gravity, were relatively weak. They were also a very caring and family-orientated race that humans had, but still could, learn a lot from. Monsoon liked this particular guy because he never spoke. He sat, like Monsoon, always watching, then got up and went his own way. That was the level of friendship Monsoon was looking for in the prison. No bonding, no loyalty, no owing a favor. He was done with all of that. While there are some who felt he'd betrayed his partner, Elijah, the general tide of opinion in the law-abiding community was that things were better with Lisa Tors around. 
In fact, as an unplanned success, a number of people feared dead had been found working, imprisoned in the lower levels of Tor's towers. Of course, Monsoon was never credited with their discovery by the media, but that was, on the whole, because the media was controlled by a single, hypocritical, racist, jingoist, homophobic, fascist white owner. Indeed, one of the rescued had found themselves being accused of illegal immigration and tax evasion, even though they'd been kidnapped from their home planet and forced to work against their will. Such was the power of this mogul's deranged, hate-filled bile that the words in the media found themselves a home among those who'd failed in their own miserable lives, were too pathetic to admit it, and instead found it easier to blame someone, anyone else. When the baying mob of idiots finally tracked him down, they delivered a brutal beating. But he fought back. The Andarkins were a race born into hatred and would never stand down again. After a while, the tide began to turn. He managed to deal out some life-changing injuries while defending himself. That was why he was now spending time in Pluto, sitting next to the one man he knew without question would understand. Monsoon made his way to the library. He'd found himself reading through a series of books written far back in history. His current author of choice had gone with magic in a world fraught with danger and adventures. Throughout each book, new characters and their crazy lives had been explored. This had kept Monsoon entertained for hours, lost in the wondrous world of the author's imagination. His favorite character was always the luggage with feet. He enjoyed the idea immensely of something so ordinary being rendered into half-suitcase, half-homicidal maniac. It was only when it settled down and had children that Monsoon felt uncomfortable. Despite his situation, despite everything he'd done, he did not want to be alone for the rest of his life. He had to admit, it would be an interesting first-date question to try and explain his life to date. Convicted of murder, no career to speak of, or certainly not one he could get an official certificate for. But he was getting ahead of himself. First, he had to survive his time in this seething mass. Monsoon's instinct kicked in. The library had become extremely quiet and indeed vacant. Even the librarian had swung off somewhere else. And there they were. Three nervous, though committed-looking inmates. One started to open his mouth, but Monsoon took the opportunity to take charge. Don't bother. I know what you're going to say. You've been told to do this, or else something will be done to you. You don't mean anything by it, and hope I won't take it personally. Does that sound about right? The three looked at each other and nodded nervously. Monsoon stood up to face them and moved almost imperceptibly towards them. I mean, to be clear, I'll have to take this personally because, well, because you're about to attack me. It would be very difficult to not take that personally, you understand, of course. They nodded, though they were unsure what was happening here. This wasn't how previous fights had gone in their lives. In those, you just walked up to the other person and started hitting them. There wasn't supposed to be conversation. It was disconcerting and made them feel uncomfortable. Oh, sorry, is me talking making you feel uncomfortable? Well, we wouldn't want that, would we? They went to nod again, just as Monsoon had them close enough. 
His first punch took out the weaker, smaller male on the right. After that, it was a straight fight. Trading blows, pretending it didn't hurt too much, and trying to score cheap shots whenever the opportunity arose. Soon, everyone started to tire. Fighting took a lot of effort, and for most people, it was surprising how soon you wanted to stop and take a break. A diet of movies had convinced most people that they could fight for hours, take on all comers, and then only wince when the wounds were cleaned. Sadly, too late, they found out that that was not how this works in reality. Being hit hurt, and hitting someone hurt. This was not fair. No one ever mentioned that during the movies. Unfortunately, this time, it was Monsoon who began to flag first. His attackers sensed weakness and took full advantage. They piled in, kicking his still-human body parts for all they were worth. It began to dawn on Monsoon that this was more than a punishment beating. They were trying to kill him. That order would have come from one of the scarier inmates, who others had decided could be their leader, mainly because they didn't want to die either. Monsoon was losing this one. The weight of his augmentations not helping things as always. He began to phase in and out of consciousness. This was not going to end well. Through his bloodied face he saw his food hall partner arrive at the library door and walk towards him. Had Monsoon misjudged him? Was he here to deliver the final fatal blow? Fortunately not. The Andarkin set upon his attackers. Now it was a fair fight, one-on-one. Of course, as with all cowards, they did not like fair. While the Andarkin managed to get in some blows, he was by no means fit. However, it was enough to spook the attackers, even more so when the Andarkin stomped on the third attacker just as he was coming round. This seemed to be enough to make them want to leave, to run away. And just in time as well, Monsoon was fading fast. Monsoon awoke in the recovery zone. He looked over and saw the Andarkin recovering in the bed next to him. He tried to move and regretted it as soon as he did. This was bad. He was really quite broken. Monsoon looked up at the monitor. It provided information on when the surgeon would next be visiting Pluto. The surgeon was used for the prison's mandatory review of the most damaged prisoners. His face froze. Well, this was going to be interesting. The new resident surgeon was none other than Elijah's estranged sister, Priva. Having a surgeon on the books was not about health or safety, but about liability. In the guards' eyes, there was nothing wrong with prisoners dying while serving time. It was just that there were forms that had to be filled in. Forms that did not have to be filled in if the resident surgeon cleared them as fit for their ongoing incarceration. In the past, that had been easy. The previous surgeon had made a fortune in approving as fit, often before the craft had even touched down. He was a busy man and did not enjoy wasting his oh-so-valuable time. The fact his attitude had condemned inmates to painful deaths was not his problem. The fact simple treatments and operations could have helped some to survive and live full lives was beyond his care, in every sense of the word. But then he'd been found mysteriously dead, 
He was found in an alleyway near the Pleasure Zone on Jupiter. Not somewhere a respectable surgeon should be found. Certainly not found there. The being there was very much commonplace. It was then a rush to find a replacement. But as most surgeons were not corrupt, and the majority that weren't didn't see prison surgeon as something they ever wanted associated with their name, it was a hard search. That was until Priva put her name forward. Priva had a record. Of course, the case had been abandoned against her, but still, someone rich had accused her. So clearly, she was guilty. Her crime of refusing to perform cosmetic surgery on a rich pervert would seem reasonable, except to the rich and entitled in charge. Everything had to be their way. They knew best and you just make sure you behave yourself. Or else. Monsoon had made use of Priva's surgical talents in the past, but that was before, well, recent events. He had no idea how she would greet him. After all, Monsoon had killed her mother as well. That was a complicated event to work through. So tomorrow should indeed be interesting. Would Priva try and find some interesting way to worsen his injuries? Cause him unbearable pain? Would she want to torture him for making her brother a killer? Or would she be the Priva he knew before? Independent. Accepting that her mother was not to be avenged. That Monsoon's support during her trial was worth merit. Whatever, this was going to be a complicated meeting and one that could prove to be an interesting revelation in what was otherwise a daily churn of nothing but survival. With my thanks, this episode was voiced by Adam Roach as the narrator and the voice of Monsoon Jackson, with Heather Dead Cowan as the voice of the adverts. Additional voices by Thomas Austin Morgan as Mott and Anthony Collette as Nat. Written and edited by Andy Case for Lightmotif Productions Limited, copyright 2020.